God for each of you who are here on this morning. We say welcome to those who of you who are, are streaming our services live on this morning. We're grateful to God for his goodness. Anybody glad to be in God's house? I said, is anybody glad to be in his house? I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And we're grateful to be in God's house just one more time. Can I pray with you? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. Lord, that we're not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together in the manner as some do. But Lord, we're grateful for an opportunity to be in your house. David said, one thing have I desired of the Lord and that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of, his, of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Lord, we came here to inquire of you, Lord. We came here, Lord, to be encouraged by you. We came here to be strengthened by you. Lord, because all of our help comes from you. Lord, we ask in these few moments that you bless us, you touch us, you strengthen and encourage us, that we may be the light, that we might be the example that you're calling for in these days. In Christ's name we pray, amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Come on, you put those hands together and give God some praise in his house. We're grateful to God for this day, for this opportunity. We thank grateful to God for each of you who've come to share with us on this morning. We praise God for his blessings towards us. We praise God that he's preserved us for just one more day. Just another day that the Lord has blessed me, that he's saved me, that he's protected me. And I'm grateful that God's mercies are new every morning. Grateful that God is always faithful to us, more faithful to us than we are to him. And I'm, it's wonderful to see so many faces. For those who are streaming, you can't see the faces, but I see some new faces that weren't with us on last week. And it's so good to see each of you, to see God is still blessing you, that God is still prospering you, and that God is yet encouraging and strengthening you in the faith. We're going to the book of Genesis. We'll be in Genesis chapter 37. For those of you who will be following us along by stream, for those of you who are in the sanctuary and you have your Bibles or your devices where you read your Bibles, we'll be in Genesis 37. We'll be continuing from our series. We talked about this season. This is the fourth quarter. This is the fourth quarter. And while you're, while you're, while you're looking in your Bibles, for those who are streaming, I ask that you hashtag, we got this. That's what we've been sharing. We got this. No matter what may come our way, we've got this because we're not by ourselves. But as we said on last week, we know that God is with us. We're never alone because God is yet on our side. So hashtag we got this. While you're doing that, go ahead and tag somebody's name in the stream. Put their name there so that they'll be attached to this stream. They'll be attached to this message. Or share this message on your page or on your personal profile or share it on a page or a group page that you're a part of so that somebody else might be encouraged by the word as it goes forth. Again, that's Genesis chapter 37. And for the purpose of today, I'm going to only read verses three through five into your hearing. We're going to share a little bit more about the whole story as we share this morning. But for the purposes of our sharing, we're going to only focus our reading at this moment on Genesis 37 verses three through five. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, so my version may vary a bit from yours. It says, now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now, Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even 
more. Lord, open our hearts, our minds and our spirits to be receptive to what you say in these moments. Lord, allow our own plans and our own thoughts to run headlong into your word. Lord, you course correct us, adjust us that we might fall along the path of destiny. May these words illuminate our path, light it, be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In Jesus name. Amen. We talked about 2020. We're in the fourth quarter. We're in the final quarter of the year. And for a subtopic this morning, I want to talk to you about who do you trust? Who do you trust? To give you context as to what I mean by that subject, asking who do you trust? I put it in the context of a game. Some of you know that I'm a big Tennessee Titans fan. They're playing their toughest game of the year this year. They're playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we'll see how that goes. We'll be praying for them. But at some point in the game, particularly in the fourth quarter, coaches have to make certain decisions. There are certain decisions that you make in the fourth quarter that you may not be as concerned about in the first quarter. In the first in the first quarter, they in the first half of a game, they give you several timeouts and you don't care how you use those timeouts in the first half or in the first quarter. Because it's the first quarter. But as you get to the second half of the game, you become a little more stingy with using your timeouts. You plan them more carefully because it's the fourth quarter. You you tighten some things up. You make sure that everything will fall in line with your game plan. And also in the fourth quarter, let's be honest. There are certain players you might trust to play in the first quarter and the second quarter and maybe even the third quarter. But when it gets down to the fourth quarter, you only want to have the players that you really trust in the game. You want to have the players who, you know, if you're playing basketball, you don't need a player that turns the ball over every time and gives it to the other team. You don't need a player that won't play defense on the other end. You don't need a player that throws the ball away when they're trying to make a pass. In football, you need that running back that'll hold on to the ball. You don't need him fumbling all over the place. You don't need a wide receiver that's missing all of their passes. You don't need a quarterback that doesn't know how to secure the ball and make sure that he doesn't engage in any turnovers. What I'm saying is you're careful about who on your team is in the game in the fourth quarter. Basically, the question is, Who do you trust? Who do you trust to be in the game in the fourth quarter? And that's something I want you to think about in your life. It's the fourth quarter of 2020. We've been through some things through the first three quarters, but this is a time for us to recover, to recoup and to come out on top. And I'm asking you on your team. Who do you trust? Who do you trust? As it came to Joseph, we see in this story that Joseph was a dreamer. He shared his dreams with his brothers. Joseph also had favor from his father. And we're going to get into a little discussion of favor and how those around you may treat you if you have God's favor. Well, first thing I want you to understand for those who are taking notes, I want you to get this. People with no vision for themselves will try to limit your dreams. People with no vision for themselves will attempt to limit your dreams. 
They don't have a vision for themselves. But when you tell somebody else your dream or your vision, they have a lot of criticism. They have they have a lot of negative things to say. They don't have a vision for their own life, but they have negative things to say about your vision. You're trying to go to school and they have negative things to say. You're trying to start a business and they have negative things to say. You want to start a family and they have negative things to say. You're trying to get your you're trying to get out of debt and get a hold of your finances, but they have negative things to say. You're trying to prepare to buy a house, to, to purchase a home, to, to buy a car. But every every step along the way, you'll have people who have negative things to say about the vision that you have for your own life. I'm telling you, people who don't have a vision for themselves, for their own lives, will always have negative things to say about your dream. They'll always try to limit your dream. What do you mean by limit? You got to be careful because some people won't say don't do it. But they'll they'll try to scale back your dream. You'll say, I, I want to buy a hundred acres. They'll say, hey, hold slow down, buddy. Why don't you start with 20? You'll, you'll say, I, I want to open a daycare that serves 50 children. They'll say, hold down, slow down now. Why don't you just start with five? Just start in your house. That way you don't have to get licensed and you, you don't have to go through all the hoops and the red tape. You, you'll say, I, I'm trying to pay off all my student loans and all, all my debt. They'll say, hold on, slow down. Why don't you do it just one thing at a time? What I'm telling you is they're not outright killing your dream, but they're trying to limit your dream. You're saying, I want to be a CEO. I want to be a, a vice president. I want to be a COO. And they'll be like, hold on, baby. Why don't, why don't you start in the mailroom and, and, and just see how it goes? It's not that getting your foot in the door is not the right move, but but when they put a limitation on where God can take you, that's where you have to question, who do I trust in the fourth quarter who's on my team? Who can I trust? Joseph found out quickly he could not trust his brothers. He could not trust his family. In Genesis 37 and 10, it says, but when Joseph told his father and his brothers his dream, his father rebuked him. And said, what is this dream that you have dreamed? He's putting a limitation upon what God has shown him. And when God shows you, baby, you have to be confident in your relationship with God. Because if God showed it to me, I'm not going to be concerned about what anybody else has to say because God showed me. Somebody who's streaming hashtag that God showed me. When God showed me, I don't have to wait on your opinion. I don't have to wait on you to diagnose my situation, my vision, my dream, because I can step out by faith and trust that God is going to take me to wherever he said I'm going to go because God showed me. God showed me. You didn't show me. God showed me. Man didn't show me. God showed me. I didn't even discover it for myself. But God showed me. So you see, the, the people, they don't mind you getting to a certain place as long as it's not further along than where they are. They don't mind you getting anywhere as long as your dream does not exceed their position. It, see, people get happy if you say to somebody, this is a, this is a totally different conversation. And we're going to have notice these three different conversations and how people respond when you say it. 
If you say to somebody, I want to get to where you are, they'll be happy for you. They'll pray for you. They'll smile at you. Tell somebody, when I grow up, I want to be like you. They'll be happy for you. They'll smile at you. They'll pray for you. But wait, but but listen to this third conversation. But as soon as you say, I want to get beyond where you are, then you get a little limit. You like, hold on. You get a whole different look. You're not you might not get a smile and you certainly not going to get a prayer. Come on now, because when you desire to do something that exceeds the level where they are, their whole demeanor changes. Their whole disposition changes. I remember when when Elisha was talking to Elijah, Elisha didn't say, I want your spirit. You know what Elisha said? Elisha said, I want a double portion of your spirit. Elisha said, well, now, now, now that's that's a different that's a different conversation. He didn't hate on him, but he said, now, now, do understand this. If you want double, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. Don't don't anticipate that you're going to get to the next level without there being a process, without it costing you something. And that's the problem today. We have too many sermons, too many preachers and too too many religions that are teaching that you get to a certain place without it costing you anything. We're raising a generation of children who think that they can receive things without it costing them anything, without them having to work for it. Elijah was having to impart to Elisha, you want a double portion of my spirit, but let me explain something to me, to you. You weren't there when I was out in the wilderness and I laid down and I asked the Lord to just take my life because I was so discouraged. You weren't with me when I stood in the palace and had to declare the word of the Lord before Jezebel and, and she had put out a hit on my life and I felt like I was the only voice that was speaking for God. You weren't there with me right there. I want you to understand that whatever you attain, whatever God gives you, whatever path God puts you on, it's yet going to cost you something. Yes, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. What I mean by that is I can do anything that God has declared that I'm going to do. I can have anything that God has declared that I'm going to have. I can be anything that God has declared that I'm going to be. But you know what? I still have to put all take on the whole armor of God. So that I'll be able to stand in the evil day. My trial is yet coming. My storm is yet coming. And even though I'm striving to get to the place where God has promised me, it's yet going to cost me something. I have to be prepared for resistance. I have to be prepared for the storm. Those who know science know that airplanes can't fly without resistance. Can't fly without resistance. It can't fly the car. You say, well, I don't have to fly. I'll just take a, I'll just drive my car. Baby, cars can't drive without resistance. It's the resistance of your tires and the rubbers on the road that, on the rubber on the road that causes the car to move. You cannot move without resistance. The only thing that doesn't require resistance is you staying right where you are. Just stay there. Don't want nothing. Don't desire nothing. Don't reach for anything. Don't try to go anywhere. Don't try to go to another level. Don't try and reach another dimension. Just stay where you are. Stay stuck there and don't desire anything else. That's the only thing that doesn't require resistance. Everything else requires resistance. 
All forward movement requires resistance. So if you want to go higher, if you want better, if you desire to be greater than where you are right now, understand it's going to cost you something. And along with your progress comes resistance. Joseph saw resistance. He couldn't even get out of his house before he got resistance. He had resistance inside the house. I want somebody to get that. He didn't have to go outside for it to find haters. There were haters that were related to him, that shared his own blood. There were haters in his own house. Even before he could tell his dream to a stranger and they get mad and upset with him, he found resistance in his own house. Just imagine the frustration of thinking that I know I can share my dream with these people because they're my relatives, they're my blood, they're my family. They're my family. Family is going to stick together. Family is going to help me out. Family is not going to get upset if I get ahead. But yet he found resistance in his own house. Let me tell you something. You'll find out who your friends are when you aspire to a level that's higher than they can imagine. You'll find out who your friends are when they when you they aspire You aspire to a level that they cannot imagine. One thing about it, found as a parent, you always want your children to do better. You always want your children to do better. Why can't we have that same feeling and compassion towards other people? I know I want my children to do better. I know even right now my sons, uh, they're in college now, and my son was bringing me a, a, a problem, a calculus problem the other day, and I was working on it, and I was trying to dust my brain off. Trying to remember some things that I hadn't attacked since high school. But what I'm seeing is him going to another level that's beyond where I am. And you know what? I don't get mad about it. I get excited about it. I get excited for the progress to see my children aspiring and desiring to go to another level that he, it's even beyond me. And that's how we ought to feel about our friends, our associates, those who are around us. We shouldn't hate on them. We shouldn't try to pull them down. But when they go to a level that's beyond us, that's beyond where we are, that's beyond our aspirations and our understanding, we ought to praise God for them. Be their biggest supporter. Be the voice in that head that tells them to keep on going and to go on higher. But Joseph couldn't find that even in his own family. Couldn't find it in his family. You can't define, you can't confine your destiny to the limits of your friend's imagination. And I want you to write that down. You cannot confine your destiny to the limits of your friend's imagination. Never confine your destiny to the limits of your friend's imagination. What am I saying? That means if your friend can't conceive it, don't stop dreaming. it. Just because your friends can't understand it, don't stop dreaming. it. Just because your family and friends don't get it, baby, that does not invalidate your dream. When God gives you something, it does not require validation. You know what? When they're in the Robert's Rules of Order... They require, you know, uh, someone, someone 
someone speaks emotion and they're saying, can I get a second? Can I get a second? Because the motion cannot pass until someone seconds it. The motion cannot even go to a vote until someone seconds it. According to the Roberts Rules of Order, it always requires a second. But what I'm telling you is God's voice over your life is not limited by the Roberts Rules of Order. It does not require a second. Nobody else has to validate what God said. God said it, and it is so. God said it, and it is so. They, they used to say, God said it, and I believe it. The only, the, the, only reason, the, the only reason belief means anything to it is whether or not it's going to happen for you. It's going to happen. Belief only triggers whether or not it's going to happen for you. Come on here with me now. That means God has spoken and he's declared that it's going to happen. All you have to do is accept what God's already said. It's going to happen, but will it happen for you? Because if you don't claim it by having faith in God, somebody else will claim that which he has already declared. It's going to happen. You believing it is only necessary for you to be in position when it happens. You have to be in position. Because if you don't believe it, you won't be in position. When you're expecting a package, you want to stay home as much as possible because you want to be in position. Some places you order from, I know from Verizon, you order from Verizon, they require a signature. They're going to send something to your house, but if you're not there, they won't deliver it if you're not there to sign for it. So if you want to receive it, you got to stay home and be in position. So if you believe it's coming... You stay in position to receive that which is coming. What I'm telling you of the blessings of God, they're going forth. They're coming out. When he speaks it, it's happening. The only question is, do you have enough faith to be in position when it happens? Because when he speaks it, it is so. When he says it, it's already done. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He, 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 did, he, he more spoke it than created it. God said it and it was so let there be light when he spoke it it happened and that's how God operates when he speaks it it happens the only question is whether or not your faith will keep you in position to receive what God's doing stay somebody just say yell it out with me say stay in position you find out where your friends are when, when you aspire to a level that's higher than they, they can imagine. And you can never confine your destiny to the limits of your friend's imagination. This is what I call vision vampires. Vision vampires. Somebody hashtag that who's streaming. Vision vampires. Then I'm going to explain it to you. Vision vampires. What's a vision vampire? They try to latch on to you. And help you define your destiny and your vision. But yet they cannot even see them on, their own selves in the mirror. Can't see themselves. You know, you know, they talk about vampires. Light passes through them. Have you ever watched the movies? When they get in front of the mirror, they can't see themselves. That's why I'm calling them vision vampires. They, they can see what you need to do, but they don't see themselves. They don't see fault in them own, their own selves. 
because they're a vision vampire. They can tell you what to do, but they have no vision for themselves. They can tell you how you're wrong, but they don't ever see how they're wrong. Come on now. I, I call some of them now. Now we got some we got some prophetic vampires, too. They got prophecy for everybody else, but never anything for themselves. Come on now. The word comes first to me. Most of the things that God says to me, it's not to preach to you. It's for me. I don't have to speak it. I just need to do it. Come on. If I got prophecies for you, but I don't have any for myself, I can see your situation, but can't see mine. I can see you, but I can't see myself. Jesus put it this way. How can you see the moat or the speck of dust that's in your neighbor's eye, but you can't see the two by four that's in your own eye? Vision vampire. I can see you, but I can't even see myself. Watch out for vision vampires. Now, the Bible says, because when they try and limit your vision, understand this. The Bible says now to him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. That means that God is desiring to take us to a level that's much greater than where we are. And understand also when people are around you being close to what you have does not give them what you have. Someone being close to what you have does not give them what you have. So jo- Jacob, Joseph was favorite of God, but those who were around him were favor adjacent. They were just next to him. They didn't have his favor, and that's what frustrated him. That's what upset him. Upset them. You can be, you can have that favor on you, but those around you don't have it, and then as a result, some of them get jealous. Some of them get frustrated. Some of them don't know how to treat you. What does the Bible say? The word here says that the brothers couldn't even speak peacefully to Joseph. They were so frustrated and and filled with jealousy out of their minds to to the fact that they couldn't even speak peacefully to him. And you know that's hard. Some of y'all know there's some folks you you, you have trouble speaking to. Where my real folks at? You know, you... There's some, some of y'all go to family reunions and be like, she, she, she got about one time and she say something crazy. <laughs> come on, come on, y'all. y'all. Y'all know you do it. She say, she say something crazy. I, I, I'm on my last nerve already. She got one time to say something crazy. If she look at me crazy. I'm going to set it off. <laughs> you, you know that some people you have trouble speaking peacefully to. And that's what Joseph's brothers were like. They were so filled with rage, so filled with envy, so filled with jealousy. For Joseph, they couldn't even speak peacefully to him. They, they didn't even try to. Because they were adjacent to his favor. They knew he was favored of his father. And yet that favor did not trickle down to them. They probably would have preferred if he just moved away. Some of them are like, well, I'm too saved to wish that he'll die. I just wish he'd move away. Come on now, y'all know some of y'all done said that. Some of y'all done said it. Do I need to tell you how some of y'all done said it? Some of y'all done said that about some folks in Washington. I'm not wishing they'd die. I just wish they'd move away. Come on now, you, you know you said it. 
But notice this. You do not hate what you do not see. That's why they wanted to move away. Their hate would dissipate if he moved away. You do not hate what you do not see. Mary, Mary, let's put it this way to those who were watching. They said in the God in me, they say, you see what I have. You see the cars. You see the house. They said, but what you don't see is when I go home, I get down on my knees and I'm praying. You're hating on what you see, but it's what you do not see that is driving what God has put on the inside of me. See, those who stay with those who stay close to you usually fall into three categories. I'm going to break this down biologically. In biology, in symbiotic relationships, there's what's called the mutualist, the the communist, and the parasite. And most of you are most familiar with the last one. So I'll need to explain the first two. The mutualist, I call this the giver. This is the people that help you and you help them. They pour into you and you pour into them. They check on you and you check on them. You give them gifts and they give you gifts. Think of the bee and the flower. The bee helps to pollinate the flower and the flower provides food for the bee. It's a mutualist relationship. Now, some of you also have people like this. There's the mutualist and then there's the communalist. The communalist, I call them the sharer, but the sharing doesn't help you. They benefit off you, but neither help you nor hurt you. Think of the person that rides with you to work. They ride with you to work, but don't give you any gas money. Now, it didn't hurt you, but it didn't help you. But they certainly received a benefit. They got the benefit of a free ride. So even though they were helped, you were not hurt. That is what is called the communalist. Think of it in nature, the bird that lives in the tree. The bird builds the nest in the tree. Having a nest in the tree helps the bird, but does nothing for the tree. But it does no harm to the tree as well. The final thing I want to talk to you, and I'm telling you, this is how you diagnose people in your life. The final one I want to talk to you about is the parasite. The parasite is the taker. Somebody say, watch out for the parasite. Those online tag that put, 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 put that in the comments. Watch out for the parasite. The parasite benefits off of you. And then they hurt you. Not only do they benefit off of you and not only do they not help you, but then they hurt you. You pour into them and you pour so much into them that it drains you and exhausts you. Come on in here. Where are my real people at? I know you, you've been in a relationship like that. The person you always, you, got, you have to spend so much time encouraging them that when you leave, you're drained. You're, you're, you're depressed. You're, you're frustrated. The person who always has to, they're trying to get money from you, but they never give any back to the point where they're draining all your own resources. Your resources are drained, and now you help them, but now you broke. I'm talking about the parasite. They exhaust your resources and do not replenish them to your own detriment to the point where you are hurt. Again, I say it with me. Say, watch out for the parasite. In biology, you have to think about the heartworm or the tick. The, the tick and the heartworm, they suck all of the life and energy out of you. And not only do they do that, then they infect you 
to the point where it slowly kills the host. And I need you to ask you ask this question while you evaluating your team. Who's killing you? Who's killing you? Who on your team is killing you? There's a movie out when I was young. It's called The Sandlot. <laughs> In this movie, this kid was making a lot of mistakes, and, and the, the, the line is, you're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> you're killing me. Who's killing you? Who can you not trust in the fourth quarter? Who's draining all your resources and your energy? Who's not only not providing you a benefit, but they're taking so much from you that it's putting stress on your own spirit, on your own mind, on your own body. Think about it. Who's killing you? The question is, and I want you to get this. This is a write down right here. Can you still love me when you cannot reach me? Can you still love me when you cannot reach me? I've told you the story about the fox. The fox trained his eyes on a vine of grapes that had trained itself around a tree. The vine had wrapped itself around a tree to the point that it had a succulent group of grapes that was hanging high from a branch. The fox saw the succulent group of grapes and he desired it. He wanted it. He coveted that those grapes. They looked tasty and juicy to the fox. So the fox went up, sauntered up and just tried to jump and fell so far short that he had no chance of reaching the grapes with that effort. Said the, 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 the fox went back. It's part one of Aesop's stories. Then he sped up a little bit, got a little more momentum, and then jumped a little higher, but still could not reach the grapes. He tried different strategies. He tried to gain more momentum. He tried to go further back. He tried to jump higher, but despite all of his efforts, he was unable to reach the grapes. Finally, the fox, defeated, hangs his head down and walks away and says, why am I spending all my time? trying to reach those sour grapes. Now, first they were tasty, but since he couldn't reach them, he calls them sour. People hate on what they cannot touch. People hate on what they cannot reach. And some of your friends, check your team. Check your team, hashtag that, check your team. There are some people that are on your team as long as they can reach you. As long as they can touch you, as long as you're close enough to be in a symbiotic relationship with them, as long as they can get gain from what you have, as long as they can share in your success, as long as they can grab a little of the spotlight when the light hits you, they'll be with you. But as soon as you're out of reach and as soon as they can't touch you, then they hate you because people hate what they cannot touch. Check your team. Find out the answer to the question. Can you still love me when you cannot reach him? What was Joseph's brother's biggest problem? And I begin to think about this. What was their biggest problem? What was the biggest issue that they had with Joseph's dreams and Joseph's code? 
when I thought about it, it was lack of vision. Get this. You'll never hear what's in me if you cannot appreciate what's on me. You'll never hear what's in me if you can never see or appreciate what's on me. The best example I can give to you of this is my son, Joseph. Many of you know the story, Joseph's story. It's a miracle. It's a blessing. Joseph overcame more things just coming out of coming out of the womb and being born than many people accomplish in their whole lives. His life was threatened inside the womb before he even had an opportunity to be born. Doctors gave us a very negative prognosis of what his life was going to look like. But yet he overcame all of those, all of those markers, all of those prognoses. He overcame that. And Joseph, even as a little boy, Joseph, he loved to dance. He loved to shout in church. And it's like the spirit of God was on him. He had already touched him. He had already anointed him. He had already blessed him. And because people saw what was on his life, you know what? Grown men, old enough to be his grandfather, would kneel down in front of Joseph and ask him to pray for him. Ask him to put his hands on them. Because they wanted a part of the anointing and the blessing and the favor that they saw on his life. And the reason they wanted to hear from him and he began to speak and began to minister. The reason people wanted to hear what was in him is because they saw what was on him. They saw God's favor, God's anointing and God's blessings on his life. So they wanted to hear what he had to say. They wanted to hear the power of his testimony. And the only reason they wanted it, the only reason they desired it, the only reason they appreciated what was in him is because they already could see what was on him. You'll never hear what's in me if you don't appreciate what's on me. There are people in your life right now that are missing out because they don't know your testimony. They don't know what you've been through. They don't know what you've overcome. They don't know how God has blessed you already. And because they don't understand what's on you, they're not prepared to listen to what's in you. Because when you've been through something, you have a testimony that when you speak it, you might just bless somebody. The Bible says they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony because people listen to what's in you. When they understand what's on let me say this, and I'm going to have to let you go. I'm going to have to break this up. I, first of all, I told you, I told you to watch out because people with no vision for themselves will try to limit your dreams. Secondly, and I'm about to close, people won't hate you until they see it. People won't hate you until they see it. Genesis 37 and 18 says they saw him from afar off. This is Joseph's brothers seeing him coming to the fields. And before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. Before he got, they came near to him. They conspired against him to kill him. Now think about it. When he was a long way off, they didn't see Joseph. There's no way they could have made out Joseph's face. There's no way. He's coming from a long distance across the fields. In fact, some say Joseph, Joseph went a long journey. 
They say he left from the valley where he was with his father to Shechem, which was 50 miles away. And then when he was in Shechem, the stranger spoke to him and told him that his brothers were not in Shechem, but they were in Dothan. So then he had to go another 13 miles from Shechem to Dothan. Joseph has traveled 63 miles to find his brothers. He's coming across the fields and they see him from a long way off, but they can't make out his face. They don't see Joseph. What do they see? They see his coat. Remember, Joseph had the coat of many colors. They didn't see his face. They saw his coat. And what did his coat represent? His coat represented his favor with his father. They didn't see his face. They saw his favor. They didn't see his face. Come in here with me now. They saw his favor. What I'm saying is they saw his favor before they could make out his face. Because his favor went out before him. His favor announced his arrival. Things begin to arrange themselves in your favor when you are working for the Lord. We know that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord to them who are the called according to his purpose. What I'm telling you is your favor will get there before you do. Favor will change your situation even before you arrive. Favor will cause that thing to come together. Remember, I, 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 I had accepted a, a job, and when, when I got to the job, Sister Cynthia, before I got there, a few things happened before I even got there. I had accepted the job, but then a few things changed before I even got there. I was going to the job to, to work with these children, and then the most difficult child that I was going to have to deal with left and went somewhere else. Then another child that they were having problems with, all of a sudden there was a change in their family and that child started acting better in the time between I, uh, me accepting the job and the time of me getting there. I was talking to the secretary one day and she said, boy, you're lucky. Because in the time that you accepted the job and the time that you got here, your job got easier and your job got better. You know what she, she was saying? You got, you got lucky that those things happened. You know what I told her? I said those things happened because I was coming. God was arranging things. And that's how favor works. God will send favor out before you to arrange things before you get there. God will make sure that it, it is prepared for you once you arrive. The thing about the, the, the favor, jo Joseph had favor and he spoke about favor, but the coat was the representation of the favor. They were mad about the dreams, but you know what almost got him killed? The coat. It was okay to dream, but then they saw the coat. And when they saw the coat, that's when they really got mad. Because they said he'd been dreaming it and he's been talking about it. But guess what? Now we see it. Told you they won't they won't get mad until they see it. They won't hate on you until they see it. 
You can keep telling people that you're favored of God. I'm blessed and highly favored. They won't get upset when you say it, but as soon as they see it, that's when people get mad. That's when people get frustrated when they see God's favor working in your life. One thing I appreciate about my wife and I'm finished. My wife, every time I, I, I get ready for church, Brother Biggers, I set out my clothes and every now and then she'll just walk by what I've set out. And for those who are husbands, you understand how this works. She won't say you don't need to wear that. But instead, she'll ask a question. She'll say, are you wearing that? <laughs> Come on, y'all. In other words, she's saying that she thinks there needs to be an adjustment because she's cautious and understanding about what is on me. What I've come to find out is that it's easier for other people to see what's on you than you to see it for yourself. Sometimes you have food that you've spilled on yourself and you're looking out and you can't see it. But somebody else can point out to you something that they see on you because it's easier for others to see what's on you than for you to see what's on yourself. See, the thing is, people see what God is doing in your life and see when they saw the coat, they saw it as a symbol of favor over his life. What Joseph saw was something that God had already done. What his brother saw was something that God was continuing to do. And I need you to understand that whatever is on your life is not just something that all God already did, but it's something, it's a signal of what God is continuing to do. Your code is a sign that God's favor is yet on your life. Your code is a sign that you'll have joy in the middle of morning. Your code is a sign that God will give you good. He'll give you mercy in the middle of your situation. Your code is a sign that God is arranging things so that they work in your favor. When his brothers saw the favor, they were frustrated. They were upset. They were mad because they saw what he spoke about was now on him. And I came to tell you, others will see your favor even when you're mad. You think you're broke. You think you're frustrated. You think you're at the end of the line. But somebody else can see favor on your life. They can see God working it out for your good. The problem is they see you now, but you see yourself in the past. You see your flaws. You see your sins. You see how you messed up. You see how you used to feel. You see how you used to act. You remember when you didn't have confidence. You remember when you didn't feel good about yourself. You remember anxiety. You remember depression. But what I want you to understand is the reason they don't see it is because you've been covered. Somebody say, I'm covered. I'm covered. I'm covered in the blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but 
the blood of Jesus. Everyone stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise in this house. Give God some praise for his word. Hallelujah. Give him some praise for his word. Hallelujah. If you bow your heads, let me pray with you, Heavenly Father. Lord, we thank you for your word that comes to encourage us, Lord, to strengthen us, to bless us, Lord, to cause us to be in line with your plan for our lives. Lord, in this season, in this time, in this quarter of the year, we have to evaluate who's with us, but Lord, let us never forget what you've put on us. Your favor, your blessings, your mercy. With them, we can accomplish all things. And we thank you for it right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, there may be someone today who says I'm not saved. And I need to accept Christ as my Savior. Wherever you are, if you're streaming this, wherever you are, where I want you to bow your head and just elevate your hands and pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord, I am a sinner. I have fallen short of your glory. And I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry for all of my sin. Please forgive me. Lord, I need you to wash my heart. Wash my mind. Wash me all over, Lord. Create within me a clean heart. And renew a right spirit within me. Lord, I believe in my heart. And I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ was crucified. He died and was buried. But rose again with all power in his hand. And today I claim him as my Savior and my Lord. Say it with me, Jesus, come into my heart and I'll make you my Savior and my Lord. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. If you say that prayer by faith, you say it with commitment in your heart, then you are saved, you are saved, you are saved. For those of you who are streaming online, I want to let you know that if you've accepted God's salvation, his gift of forgiveness over your life, why don't you get connected to a church? You can connect to Bright Temple by texting Bright Temple to 66866. Do that right now. Text Bright Temple all together, one word, to 66866. And you can get in touch and be a part and join our ministry even right now. And I pray that each of you have been blessed by what you heard on today. And I pray that God will bless you and keep you until I shall see you again. Be blessed. And I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Jeremiah 3 and 15. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings the good news. Isaiah 52 and 7. Bright Temple coming soon. Our pastor and first family love day. Sunday, November the 15th at 10 a.m. at Bright Temple. Come help us celebrate our pastor and first family with an offering of love gifts, and monetary contributions. If you decide to come by on Sunday, November the 15th at 10 a.m., please remember to practice social distancing. You can make your monetary contributions by Givelify, Cash App, or by mailing your gift to the church. 
Please specify your contribution under Pastor Anniversary slash Love Day. Thank you in advance for helping us celebrate our pastor and first family. I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by give a fuck. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.